Well, my name's Joe. If I haven't met you, it's great to be able to be with you this morning. I uh, might look like Paul in my dashing good looks, but um, I, I am not as short. So, um, but he is out, out this weekend. He's uh, um, helping a, a, with a wedding in Colorado, and uh, he'll be back next week, and I get the chance to be able to be with you this morning. And man, I'm so excited about the message that we have this morning. And we, if you've have not been with us. We've been talking about uh, Sabbath, and specifically, we've been talking about being with Jesus, and how can we be with Jesus, and how the Sabbath helps us to nurture our relationship and our souls um, with Jesus. And so today, we're going to continue to explore uh, what that ends up looking like. And you know. Uh, as we have uh, been exploring together, we decided as a staff team that we would uh, be able to take some time just as a staff team and really begin to like unpack these things. Like, what does it really look like? And what are the obstacles and the things that, that keep us from actually doing this thing called Sabbath? And the reality is, is there are a fair amount of them. We, Paul has been talking about <coughs> uh, three of the greatest threats to Sabbath hurry, uh, to Sabbath rest, which are hurry and noise and clutter. And then as we, we sat around and we talked about um, other obstacles. Man, there were so many that came to mind, like time. <laughs> like it always seems to be able to just never have enough. Or boundaries and being able to, um, be, to say no to people, which is really like difficult to do, isn't it? And like wanting to be able to not make people mad when you tell them no, uh, which is really all about saying the right yes. And there are other challenges that we have like kids. Um, how do we end up managing parenting and the mental load that ends up happening? Or how do we embrace the limits that God has given to us? See, sometimes when we end up trying to be able to engage in a, a whole day, uh, it, it becomes not like a blessing as God intended, but instead it can often feel as if it's a burden. So if that's you, then please know that you are not alone. We have obstacles too. And <laughs> it can often feel like a burden. And, but when we end up just submitting to our 24-7 culture, Man, eventually we become emotionally exhausted. Physiologically, we, we, we just are depleted. And we become just overworked and spiritually malnourished. We know that we need rest. I mean, just as we know that our cars need regular maintenance, we know that our bodies need care too. And we try, we try to care for ourselves. I see you guys doing that. Like, that's why a whole industry of self-care even exists, right? Is to be able to help you with your mental days and your personal days. I mean, there's tons of things that are able to help you to change the oil and rotate the tires on your own physical body and care for yourself. But have you noticed that self-care doesn't always work? Or maybe that's just me, but self-care doesn't always work. See, what ends up happening is we end up trying to take a physical solution to be able to solve a spiritual problem. And when we end up doing that, it's like not that these things of self-care are bad in and of themselves. They just don't address the right problem. So then sometimes what we end up doing is, well, let's try the religious solution. Maybe that will help. 
But the reality is, is that many of us, we grew up in this, in a more legalistic way of doing life with Jesus, where following Jesus was checking boxes and do this and don't do that. But that is the farthest thing from relationship. Rule keeping is not relationship. Let me say that one more time. Rule keeping is not relationship. So it's no wonder then that Sabbath can, can often feel like it's a burden. Like it's this choice between do I want to, this choice of the blessing that God desires for you and for me seems so far away. And if, if I can't do it and the religiosity checking of the box doesn't happen, it doesn't help, then what am I supposed to do? What's the cure? Well, our soul, when our soul is tired and weary, the cure is not a place or a pleasure. It's a person. It's Jesus. See, the Sabbath is a time for us to be able to nurture our relationship with him. And the reality is, is that Jesus knows your struggle. Jesus knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. And those aren't just words. I, I mean, Jesus knows. And he wants to be able to come alongside you, to be able to restore you. The Sabbath gives us the opportunity to make space for that. He says in, in John 16, 33, I have told you these things. This is Jesus speaking. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. See, he told you, Jesus knew. <laughs> but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we need to relearn how to be able to sit with Jesus. And then the author of Hebrews, he encourages us to persevere in following Jesus and entering into that rest that Jesus provides for us. He tells us in Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, he says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rest from his works as God did from his let us therefore strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Strive to enter Jesus's rest. That's what the author calls us to do. And avoid disobedience. Well, what's this disobedience thing all about? See, the author here is talking about the Israelites who wandered in the desert and God had commanded them to be able to practice the Sabbath, which is hard to do in the desert, in the wilderness. But God, he provided. See, God miraculously provided them with a double portion of food, of manna, on the sixth day so that they could rest on the Sabbath. He provided for all their needs. And yet, Jesus, or yet God, though having provided food and miracles and allowing the Israelites to escape from Egypt with a whole bounty and a plunder of all the gold and silver that they could carry, even being able to split the waters and be able to walk upon dry land. The Israelites, though they heard God's voice, they choose, chose not to obey him. See, they lacked faith. They disobeyed God. And as a consequence for their disobedience, they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. And so the author of Hebrews, man, he, he doesn't want us to be like them. 
He wants a different environment for you and for me. Which leads me to wonder, have we forgotten Jesus? Like, are we exhausted because we've neglected to enter into his rest? Like the Israelites in the desert? I think we need to relearn this practice of of just being with him. Of prioritizing the nurturing of our souls to be able to be with him. And it comes by beginning to remember, well, where is this Sabbath actually come from? Well, a Sabbath is, is where God, it originated from when God created the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, he stopped. And then he, he commands the Israelites in Exodus 20, he tells them, hey, remember the Sabbath, that thing that I did way back then. Keep it holy, set apart. Keeping Sabbath is a holy work. And then in, in the prophets, he ends up <laughs> in Leviticus. And then also later on in the prophets, he ends up telling us about how there's consequences for the Israelites if they choose not to obey the Sabbath. Leviticus stresses the importance of keeping it 24 times, calling it a rest for a whole day to have humility on it, where Sabbath's holiness is going to be permanent for all generations, for all, and it's for all people, and it's for the whole land. And then the prophets, oh man, the prophets, they warn of the consequences of disobeying the Sabbath. And man, if you haven't read the prophets in a while, it's worth reading and it's also convicting. See, Ezekiel, he says like, look, if you're going to profane the Sabbath, then it's going to bring God's wrath. And Jeremiah, he says, look, if you ignore the Sabbath, it's going to lead to the destruction of Jerusalem. And Hosea Hosea warns that not keeping the Sabbath means that the Israel's celebrations are going to cease. And so it's no wonder then with this type of backdrop that the Jews took keeping the Sabbath seriously. And so what they ended up doing was they, they, uh, they did this thing called the Melcha. And I'm not a Jewish speaker. I can't speak Hebrew very well, but they created these 39 different categories that defined what is work and what is not work. So they had 39 categories that they used to be able to identify what I could do. And it carried, uh, it covered all types of things like uh, that were around their portable sanctuary. And then other things like, okay, you can't bake, you can't earn money, you can't worry good luck with that one. <laughs> and you can't even cut your fingernails. I mean, like that's how detailed they actually went into this. They went to these great lengths to remember and to keep the, keep the Sabbath. And understanding this context, I think is, is so helpful for us for, for at least two reasons. One of them being we're no longer underneath the old law and covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I can cut my fingernails and not have to worry about it. But then secondly, it helps us to grasp the gravity of what Jesus is doing when he challenges the Sabbath rules. See, Jesus comes in and he, all these, these malacha, the 39 categories, he's, he's going against them. These man-made laws, he pushes back against them in order to restore the intent of the Sabbath, rest 
and joy. And Jesus, he's Lord of the Sabbath. And he says in Mark, in Mark 2, 27, look, the Sabbath, it was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. See, the gravity of what Jesus is doing is he's challenging the man-made Sabbath laws that are keeping the people from enjoying the blessing of Sabbath. And he doesn't just speak about it, he acts. He heals. If you go through the Gospels, seven of nine different passages are all about Jesus and, and the Sabbath. <clears throat> they involve all miracles of when Jesus would heal he would be able to heal the blind man. He would have a snack with his, with his people. Like Jesus was acting, healing, restoring, and resting, bringing joy on the Sabbath. And so it's no wonder that Jesus' followers still would keep the Sabbath. Not necessarily for all the legalistic rules, because they too, the new believers in Jesus, were under the new covenant, but because it brought joy and rest. See, Paul, he practiced the Sabbath. Acts 17 says, Paul, like Jesus, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. Early Jews and Christians, they practiced the Sabbath all throughout the book of Acts. And in Hebrews, right, we just went through that passage that he exhorts us to be able to keep it. So when we are when Jesus practices it, Paul practices it, early Christians and Jews continued to practice it. When Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and it reflects God and his work, I think we're supposed to take the Sabbath. See, realize though, catch this, when we get the chance to be able to stop and rest, you are participating in ushering in the kingdom of heaven. Because no longer are you, are you controlled by the rat race of life and all of the chaos in, the, in your brain and how many distraction devices do you have, right? God just pulls you out of that and says, rest, know who I am, enjoy, stop, embrace the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath bridges our earthly existence and our God's kingdom. It helps us to bring up there down here. Sabbath, it helps us to be able to remember the past of when God actually created. And we're invited to stop just like he did, to imitate God. And then presently, we get the chance to be able to pause from our work. And catch this. To not let work define our worth, instead to allow Jesus to define our worth. You are much more than what you do. Sabbath, it gives us this chance to be able to have an, a weekly outward physical rest that represents our inner spiritual rest in Jesus. And then also it helps us in this future looking forward because one day when Jesus returns, there's going to be a big feast. It's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to look probably a lot like a Sabbath. Not all of it. This will probably still be work. Remember, work's good. But man, we're going to party. 
And why not have once a week a chance to be able to test and see and taste and know that God is good, to be able to delight and to enjoy, to be able to give us the future hope of what's coming. Because one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to return and he's going to make all things right. He's going to make all that chaos in your life dissipate. Like here he is and he's coming to be able to give you peace and joy. He's got good news for you. He wants you to remember that. <laughs> like there's good news. And every seven days he wants you. He's like, stop, just enjoy. That's how good our God is. Don't forget it. Don't forget him. Sabbath is this divine invitation to step out of the rat race, to experience a rest that nourishes our soul deeply. It is not a burden. Instead, it is a blessing. But he won't impose it. But he will invite you to participate. But how? How do we practice the Sabbath in a way that remembers the intended purpose and keeps us from legalism and then also accommodates the fact that I have 17 kids and I'm, um, you know, like all the rest of the other things that I have to do? Well, to practice, everyone must, must create a plan. You have to have an intentional plan to be able to participate in the Sabbath. So here's my question. What's yours? like genuinely, not just like preacher guy up here talking, like, what's your plan? <laughs> Great, if you are like me and you don't have one, here we go. Like, let me help you build one. And if you've already got one, praise the Lord. Way to go. The first, the key begins when you, by following the principle of one in seven. So one day a week, set it aside for rest and for worship. What day works for you? It doesn't have to be Sunday. It could be. And if it is, awesome. But maybe Wednesday works better for you. Maybe Tuesday evening to Wednesday morning is like, that's your time. Great. Remember, we're not legalistic, but we're just trying to find one in seven. And so once you've found your Sabbath day, then how do you then practice it? Well, you need to prepare. See, to practice Sabbath... It requires dedicating even like the day before, the sixth day, to be able to do all the errands that you need to do in order to stop. I remember when I was in Israel, man, uh, the day before, the day of preparation, the sixth day, everyone was hustling and scurrying and going back and forth into, into all the little markets. It was like a fury, like a, a tornado coming through of everyone. And you kind of like stepped back because, you know, like people were running type of thing. But then right one, when Sabbath hit, boom, it was dead. They had already done their work and they could stop and they could enjoy. Their work and the day of preparation was busy, but it was purposeful and they were preparing so they could stop. So they could have a day dedicated to being able to practice four steps of Sabbath. And here's what they are. It's really stopping, resting, delighting, and then contemplating. Let's look deeper at each of these different steps. So first, the first step of, of stopping, like what can help you to, to stop? Like stopping means like intentionally disconnecting, 
spatially and emotionally from work. That might be for you that you need to turn off your phone or your computer. You might need to actually make yourself busy on your calendar, schedule the actual time. You might need to avoid checking your emails or your social media. It's stopping your usual routines. See, devout Jews, they have numerous customs that help them to initiate the Sabbath. Oh man, I love this picture. It makes me hungry. Uh, so one of my, my mother-in-law makes some amazing challah bread. So that is one of her things that initiates the Sabbath for her. So whenever I go over to her house, I love it because she makes two loaves and not just one. And carbo load does, is not a part or uh, carbs are part of delighting in God, in my opinion. <laughs> so, so I get the chance to just nom and all that. And it is so good. And I would, if you ever get the chance, can you tell I'm hungry? Oh man, it's so good. Okay, so where was I? I don't know, talking about bread. But here's what happens. He, and she ends up doing this. And what happens is that it initiates the Sabbath. What it does is it fills the house with a different and distinct smell. So that she knows, like when I walk in, it's like, oh, it must be the Sabbath because the bread. You ever notice how your, your, your nose and how you smell things can bring you right back to places, be that good or bad? <laughs> like we can use that to our advantage. Some devout Jews have, have different types of customs that they use, like a, a Shabbat meal as a family. Um, <laughs> some of them light candles. Typically, there's two candles that are, are lit. Uh, one of them represents the commandments, commanding them to remember the Ten Commandments. And then the second is to be able to observe the Sabbath. Don't just know about it. Do, do it. Right, that's what he, the two candles also symbolize. But tradition also holds that these candles can also symbolize a room set for lovemaking, which is a great Sabbath activity for married couples. <laughs> yes, that is correct. And, and there, aren't, there aren't rules that you need to follow, but there are ways that can help you initiate stopping on the Sabbath. So what can help you to stop? What will help remind you that you need to pause? Do you need to make a challah bread? I got a recipe for you. <laughs> Just make two. <laughs> is it lighting the candle? What is it that would be helpful for you to be able to stop on your one in seven days? See, God's invitation is to come to be with him. Look, he is able to sustain all the things that you think you need to do while you're not doing them. There is a dimension of God that can really only be known if you're still. Like, have you ever been interrupted by a friend or a, um, <coughs> a spouse on, on, a, on a phone call? Like when, or maybe like when you're trying to have a conversation with them and then all of a sudden their distraction device, their, I mean, their phone comes on and like all of a sudden you lose them for like five, 10 minutes. And you're like, where did you go? We were having this conversation. Like you lose them. See good connection. It requires undivided attention. And as the great theologian, Winnie the Pooh said, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing of just going along, 
of listening to all the things that you can't hear and not bothering. And when you stop, I can assure you that distractions will come. Especially if you're just starting this process out, all the more. And that's okay. Because if you have distractions that come into your mind, guess what? That actually means that you're participating in a holy work because there is an evil one who doesn't want us to rest. That's what we're actually trying to be able to get away from, remember? So here's what I do. I get out my page, my journal. I write down all the things I need to do. And then I flip the next page because there's more thoughts. And then I flip the next page because there's even more thoughts. And then I trust. I say, God, I I can't do all of these things. I can't both work really, 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 really hard for you and also take a break. I need your help with these things. And I believe in you that you want me to rest. So I'm going to trust you. And I'm probably at that time having some really hard times because these things, these to-do lists are probably really long and really important. So then I end up saying, God, help. Just help. Because I can't. I can't do it all. Because even if I had the 24 hours, I couldn't complete that list anyway. Or maybe that's just me. God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years. I think he can provide for you today so that you can have enough time, energy, effort to be able to be sustained. When you have distractions, that's okay. Ask God for help because he wants to help you to stop. He wants to help you to heal from the hurry. As Wayne Miller, Mueller said, Sabbath time is a revolutionary challenge to the violence of overwork. See, Sabbath, it invites us to stop, to break free from the bondage of busyness and to embrace the gift of rest. See, we don't just stop for stopping's sake. We stop so that we can rest. Resting is intentionally choosing activities that replenish your energy and allow you to be able to recharge. I mean, this could be like going out into nature in Friedrich Park and walking around. Just don't be a fool like me and go in the heat of the summer. (laughs) It's like three o'clock and be able to be like way too hot. Like, no, but go and enjoy the nature. Go and enjoy what God has created. That's what he did all the way back in Genesis, and that's what he invites us to do today. Maybe it's engaging in one of your favorite hobbies. Guys, this is how I figured out about coffee. And if you know me, you would be smiling a little bit like one of my life group members is doing right now because I love coffee. Not only is it a really cool part of nature, but additionally, it's amazing to be able to see what you can create and be able to enjoy and then be super caffeinated about and be able to, who needs rest when I got another cup of coffee? Okay, maybe I'm too much for y'all right now, as my wife would say, but you get me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Whatever the hobby is, whatever renews your soul, whatever brings you joy, like those are the things that we're looking for. And you know what? It it might not even be a hobby. Maybe your hobby can be taking a nap. (laughs) See, I remember, no, 
Sometimes taking a nap is one of the most holy things you can do. And I heard that before and I was like, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a bunch of baloney. And then I experienced it. I remember when I was transitioning in, out, of my, out of one job and into the next, and I was incredibly worried and how am I gonna care for my family? How am I gonna be able to pay for my mortgage? How am I going to fill in the blank? And it just kept on going and going and going and going. And so I was like, fine, I guess gotta like change. I gotta go, go went out and I took a walk and this was supposed to be my Sabbath. Yeah, well, now I see why worrying is on the do not worry list, you know, like, because my mind was just going and going and going. And then I remembered the Lord, the Lord stopped me. I was, I was right next to a park and it was a beautiful setting. And, and he, he sat me down and he said, Joe, remember Psalm 23? Do you remember it? Do you remember it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He told me to take a nap. I slept so well. <laughs> it was glorious. And afterwards I woke up and it was amazing because the sun was just setting at just the right place. And it was just like this, this hug from God saying, I got you. Now, was all of my worries all taken care of and everything else like good to go? Absolutely not. There's a whole lot of things I had to do, but man, I was with my Lord. I wasn't alone. I didn't have to worry because he got me. I was in his hands. And some of you might hear this and say, yeah, but I have kids. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> look, even with children, look, we, we can teach them to value slowing down and nurturing their own relationship with God. And remember, you're responsible for discipling your children. You can model this. You're responsible if you have kids to grow them up in the ways of the Lord. Sabbath is a way of the Lord. He did it in creation. It might be hard, but that's okay. He's with you. You can model this. And in a culture where children are often overscheduled, pressured to excel in every single different area, especially in this area. Understanding Sabbath rest, don't you think that's important? Okay, I'm going to ask for a verbal response. Do you think that's important for your kids to know rest? I think so too. Understanding rest is incredible, incredibly important. And if they don't hear it from you, who are, will they hear it from? And Sabbath, by the way, is possible with kids. One of my, one of my good friends, I love this. He was trying to get creative because he was like, yeah, if I'm really going to do this, I can't, I don't know how to make it happen. And so he got together with some of his friends and he, he created a thing called Saturdads. And so he was like, all right, you know what we're going to do Saturday morning? He got a, a group of like four or five families and he was like, okay, dads, we're going to take the morning and we're going to go to the playground and we're going to take all the kids with us. 
and we'll sip coffee and enjoy and kids can play. And you know what we're going to let our wives do? Sleep. (laughs) So the wives got to sleep and to enjoy and to play and to hang out away from the kids. (laughs) And then, and, and the kids, they got to be able to have quality time with their dads. And the dads are like, ah, sweet. I get to be with my boys and my my other friends and be able to see these kids. I get to teach them about why we're doing this. And they get to run and play on the jungle gym. Super fun. And then afterwards in the afternoon, they would switch. See, like some of the the wives, they would go and they would be able to read a story for, for some of the kids. And they would just be together. And be able to like, all right, I'll take the kids. And now what does the dad get to do? He gets to pass out on the couch and take his nap. And he was out like that, right? So, so it took creativity to be able to implement the Sabbath with children. It isn't always easy, but it's possible and it's good. And God wants you to be able to take a rest. So here's my question. Do you trust that God would be able to provide you with the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to implement it? To do something that he wants you to do. Short answer is that is yes. But you might have to ask for help. You might have to try and fail and do it again. That's okay. At least you try. You're not going to, if you're just starting out in this process, you're not going to be running. Let's walk before we run. Amen. See, by prioritizing the Sabbath in our own lives, we give our children a priceless gift the ability to experience the joy and the peace that comes from resting in God's loving embrace. Sabbath is meant to be enjoyed. So the third step, which this leads us to, is, pra- is practicing, uh, which leads us to delight. That is the third step. See, the author of Hebrews, he uses this Greek word, sabbatismos, which is stressing, which stresses the celebratory nature of rest. It corresponds to a festival or to delight. See, to delight means to engage in those activities that bring you joy, that help you connect to God and connect to others, to your loved ones. You know, some of you love and delight in dad jokes. You know, some of you love dad jokes like this one. Like, what do you call a reckless thief that only steals cooking utensils? A whisk taker. Yes. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was from one of our elders who shall not be named. Thank you, Mark, for that. That was delightful. I love it, man. And some of you have delight in groaning over over jokes, do you not? Well, I delight in things like this. With going with friends, um, this is part of our life group, and we got together and had a, had a meal together. And man, it was it was delightful. We had amazing food. We had steak and we had lobster and we like, we all had wine and we told stories and we had the chance to just be and enjoy, enjoy what God had for us. Man, it was, it was incredible. There was even at one point, one of our, one of our life group members even said a blessing over the whole entire group. Like, man, that's community, guys. If you're not in a life group like that, like, let's do that. Can you imagine being a life group that does that? Well, that's like our, what we're trying to do. You get to be a part of something like that. 
it's hard to describe the blessing that this Sabbath was to my wife and I. We encouraged and we celebrated each other. Man, it felt like a taste of heaven. The question that I seek to answer on the Sabbath when it comes to delight is, what will bring you the most joy? Not what will bring your kids the most joy. Not what will bring your spouse the most joy. What will bring you the most joy to do today? Like God actually wants to give you the desires of your heart. We're not talking about the fleshly desires that are not honoring of him, but we're talking about the things that make you smile. The things that like you would just really enjoy. Not for any other reason that you just get to do it. That's enough. That's the type of God that we have. He wants to be able to give you good things. He wants to be able to let you enjoy. More often I find in in communities, including this one, that it's hard for us to actually open up our hearts to be able to search and to know what might actually bring me joy. Sometimes that's because of fear. Well, what happens if I don't get to do it? Well, what happens if it gets taken away from me? Could be for other reasons. I don't know about if that's for you. But here's one thing that I hope that you get to to add to it. Is, is that there's good news for you in that God wants good things for you. He wants you to delight. He gave you in Genesis the opportunity to see what it was like for him to delight over his creation. He said he, he showed you the importance of delighting and how he, he, he gave boundaries and rules and trying not to be able to be legalistic, but to be able to, to enjoy, to make sure his people would enjoy life. Jesus, he, he practices it and he says, legalism, get out of here. I want to give them life and life to the full. Like we get the chance to be able to enjoy, to take great delight. By intentionally delighting in the things that we love, we can experience the fullness of life that Jesus desires to give us and to appreciate the blessings of God. And that will lead us to contemplate the goodness of our God. See, the final and the fourth step is to really contemplate. If I do Sabbath right, I am not surprised that I often unintentionally come to a place where I contemplate the goodness of God. I contemplate about how, the pro, how Sabbath is providing me the opportunity to reflect on my relationship with him and to spend time in his presence. And that might include, that contemplation might include coming to church which is totally a great thing you should do. And if you're online, we'd love to have you in the presence and we're glad you're here with us. It might mean just spending extended time reading your Bible or spending time in prayer, simply listening to music. Maybe you're, I remember this one time when I was listening to jazz music and in awe of the chord progressions that I could never ever do myself, but just how amazing it was that God created music in such a way to be able to capture my soul. And then I just got to give awe and contemplate, man, this is so amazing. It's incredible. 
that he gives us a chance to pause and to appreciate his goodness and his grace and his love. As I was preparing for this message, man, I was just so overwhelmed by God's grace. It's incredible to think that he loves us so much that he wants these things for us. I mean, he created us. He could have just have us under his thumb and being push, pushing us down harder and saying, you haven't worked hard enough. And that whole list that you can't fill and finish, yeah, just wait till you get mine too. But that is not our God. Our God says, no, no, take a break. Enjoy the goodness. This is so different from the driven, pushing world that we live in. God invites us to rest. And it's a gift to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate. And it is holy work. One out of every seven days, God intends for you to do these four things. So here's, here's, here's the close. Do the work. Do the holy work. Look, you, you might feel like this is, is something that you can't even possibly do. That's okay. 24 hours might be way too long for you. What's your 24 minutes? What's your two hours? What's your four hours? When will you do that? This upcoming week. Not uh, genuinely. When, when are you going to do it? What day? Is it going to be Tuesday? Or is it going to be next Saturday? What day is it? Okay, well, what do you have to do in order to prepare for, to be able to do that? Is there something you need to do? Whatever it is, try. I implore you. I plead with you. Stop. Rest. Delight. And contemplate the goodness of God. He wants so much for you. And he loves you. That's why he came to die on the cross for you and I to pay the ultimate penalty for you and me. And, that's, and he showed us how much he loves us by, and that he has the ultimate power by rising from the dead. He endured the cross and the pain for you and me and then he rose from the dead so that you and I could have life and life to the full, a completely transformed life. That is our God. That is how good he is. And so he invites you to take a Sabbath. My hope for you is that you, this upcoming week, you will try whatever that means for you. Let me pray for you and then Christian's got some things for us. Jesus, I pray and ask that you would help my brothers and sisters to try to put into practice the things that they have been exposed to, to not just hear the word, but to be doers of the word. I pray that you would help them to rest. I, I pray that you would help them to stop first so that they can rest. And then I pray that you would help them to explore and see what it is that, brings, that would bring them delight and that they would receive it with happy, <laughs> happy hearts. And then I pray and ask that you would help them to contemplate and just to think about how much they are loved. Thank you for loving us and every seven days giving us the chance to taste of what the beauty of heaven is going to be like. Thank you, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen.